Oh, hey, zombie fans. <laughs> it's Reanimated Podcast. This is Stuart. I'm in California. Joining me from New York and uh, sounding like a million bucks, H.A. Conrad. How are you today? Mostly alive today, <laughs> but pardon the voice. You may have to to bear with me, but I'll, I'll muddle through. Uh, managed to get some kind of uh, cold or something. So, so the dulcet tones you hear are related to that. Um, if Reanimated Podcast had a brand, it's that we <laughs> muddle through and that we record sick, sunny, rainy weather. Be damned. We we do our best. We're like the Postal Service. Uh, but hi, everybody. It's Reanimated. We're here to talk today about Z- uh, Bucket List of the Dead, ZOM 100, or ZOM 100, Bucket List of the Dead. And uh, the animated series, anyway, uh, of which there are six episodes on... No, there's more than six. There's ten episodes on Netflix. And uh, today we're going to talk about the first three of those. For some reason, I thought there was an odd number, which is why I proposed we do three today. But I was wrong. And so that's going to create a slight issue later on. And that's fine. Muddling through as usual. Yeah, we'll just do three this time, three next time, and then four to roll it out. Perfect. Close it out. We all good. Um, Before the maths, look at the maths. Uh, Before we get to the show, we've got a couple of pieces of news. It is, after all, two days before Halloween, and the news is uh, very newsy, as we would uh, would expect. Although I would say there are a few more, a sprinkling more zombie walks and uh, uh, flash mob type stuff going on uh, in the news today anyway than than even in years past. And it might be, you know, COVID related and people coming out of their shells. But Key West has like some giant, it feels like there's a giant zombie walk everywhere. Uh, And then there's your uh, average increase in in zombie uh, and horror news in general. There was also a pretty ridiculous, well, you know, um, w- clickbaity article about what it, how would each zodiac sign survive the zombie apocalypse? Oh boy, they're stretching. Just saying, they're, they're stretching big time. There wasn't a ton of high profile zombie show uh, news. I did <laughs> dip a toe into an article about the return of Troy Otto on Fear the Walking Dead just to see how stupid it was, and it was. It was pretty <laughs> stupid. Uh, and then I read an Eric Kane. Uh, uh, you know, column on how how bad the show is now, and he's he's like losing his mind. Uh, but that's actually not a new thing. He's been pretty mad about it for for years. Um, so yeah, Fear the Walking Dead I think is in its final episodes. I feel like they've been threatening me with that though for years, and it's still not over. Uh, so I'm just waiting for those headlines to disappear. I think it's still going. Yeah. Um, but in other news we had we stumbled across a david fincher interview listed in the hollywood reporter but i think originally given to variety uk or something like that gq uk he's talking about uh, world war z the sequel which he was set to direct um and he's saying in this in this interview and this is like the body of the interview in hollywood reporter is the sequel to World War Z would have been a little bit like The Last of Us, but he's glad that they didn't do it because The Last of Us has done it much better. Uh, talking about parasites, I don't know that they were going to suddenly make them cordyceps zombies, but uh, I'm also so, glad that they didn't do it. I am too, but I'm also like really puzzled. Like, how would this have anyway? It, it doesn't make sense to me, but 
Um, but then he dropped a little tidbit that you spotted, which I thought was, you know, kind of a hopeful thing. I and mean, you and I have talked about this before, but it's about making, you know, the fact that the version that, that they made was nowhere near, like, wasn't even approaching to the book. And he kind of hinted that they might be thinking about doing something a little bit more true to form. So that's kind of cool if it happens. Yeah, I think I don't think it could ever be a film. I think it would have to be a series. Oh, I think it would have to be a series. And, you know, when the when the when the movie came out, the film came out, I think you and I even talked about this and it was like and this was before we sort of like all this stuff really, really took off and that there were these huge budgets for it. And I think you and I had said like the only way that this could possibly work would be to do it as like a series. Yeah. Um, but lamented the the possibility of it just because of the budgets. And then here we are the last of us. Anyway. Um, yeah. It would be I a would very different it, animal from a last of us. Uh, it series, would, but obviously. I also wonder certain things probably would have to shift just given things that have happened in the world, maybe, but maybe they wouldn't do that. But anyway, that would be a cool thing. I would like to see that. And I don't know if there's room for it right now, but maybe we'll see it down the line. So that's kind of a hopeful thing to yeah. talk about. Well, we'll uh, we'll keep our ears peeled for any more news about about World War Z or yeah, World War Z being ad- adapted, which would be super cool. Uh, a second article that seemed interesting was from CBC, the Canadian Broadcast Corporation, about Quebec horror films having a moment and whether or not funding will become more plentiful or easier to get as a result of this. And we've talked a couple of times in the last few years about. Uh, Canadian films, specifically from Quebec and in French. Uh, there was the golf course one that we just did last this past 12 months. And then before that, Les Affamés, The Hungry or The Ravenous. Uh, and was there also another? Um, like- there was the um, the blood. Um, oh, what was it? The where the director? Blood Quantum. Yes, and well, that was an indi- that was like a First Nations thing more than a Quebecois, but yeah, it, it was a First Nations thing. But I think that they may have gotten funding. I'm not positive, but I think they may have gotten funding through um, the Quebec thing for the arts or whatever as well. Wow. But regardless, I mean, I would like to see more stuff come out of there. I think they're really trying to bolster and build their um, their this particular um, like. Uh, area of the arts and they've always given quite a bit but they I think they're trying to build some things there um, which there's always been a pretty like robust filmmaking um, business focus in on the other coast which is like Vancouver and Toronto like a lot of people film up there but then you know that's a little closer to California and Hollywood and things like that but dating all the way back to the X-Files right I feel like that was the first well, maybe it wasn't the only show, but it certainly it was the one that remi- that let me know that that was where people would film. Yeah, and I, I don't know if I mentioned you, but Bill and I were like randomly rewatching because he'd never really seen the X-Files. And there's like a, a whole episode where Scully and Mulder end up in like that crazy mining museum place, which is like an old copper mine. And since the X-Files filmed, they have actually rehabbed that whole thing into like this pretty incredible museum. And but at the time they were, it looked like they were filming in this like pretty rough uh, this this very rough set because um, they had done nothing to it and so um, that was definitely I mean it's been going on forever they they've been doing a lot of sci-fi and genre things um, on that side of Canada so um, and I think 
you know, I think Quebec has a really good opportunity here because it's like kind of like a smaller area. They control a lot of that budget and they're kind of their own thing. Um, so I could totally see stuff like this taking off. Do you think that there's been a little bit of a distaste for the horror genre there um, that may have contributed to them not sort of doing that? And maybe they're a little bit open to it now that they've seen success. Well, the, this article talks about how their the history of filmmaking in Quebec was more focused on documentaries for the longest time uh, and now has like turned to genre and they were like, you know, loath to fund genre projects for one reason or another. Uh, They, yeah, the only real reason they give for this, this switch is the fact that now there are two Montreal based film festivals that are really focused on horror, uh, which are Fantasia. And I forget the other one. Oh, uh, spasm, which is a great name for a film festival. Uh, so yeah, like the, the actual reasoning I think is a little ambiguous, but, um, they're, they're coming into it. And one of the films that's mentioned in this article, I think has a really funny title, which is a vampire, a humanist vampire. I I only, I'm only seeing the French version right now, but I'm going to try and just translate it. My, oh yeah, there it is. Humanist vampire seeking consenting suicidal person is (laughs) (laughs) name of this film that apparently is coming out right now. Uh, and you know that that there that's what this, this that's what drove CBC to write this article and i think it's funny i hope that quebec continues to make zo- uh, horror films zombie or not and uh, i do think that there's still a lot of uh, so much room in that genre to uh, for for metaphor and and for driving conversations so keep doing it dudes last but not least uh you found this great article about a film that i hadn't heard about yet but it's a, a zomedy, I guess, is what you would call it. Um, or all you need is blood, which is pretty funny. And it has Mena Suvari in it and Eddie Griffin in it, in addition to um, a younger set of a cast. And, it, you know, the stills look pretty good, at least. And the description is, like, kind of fun. So I think we should definitely check it out when when we're able to review this. Yeah, I don't know that they have a release date, but there's a lot of good photos on this, uh, good stills here, showing you kind of the idea. A strange meteor lands in his backyard and turns up his turns his deadbeat father into a brain-eating zombie. So 16-year-old aspiring director teams up with his friends to create the ultimate student film. I like that premise. Let's see. Let's uh, find out more about this film as uh, time goes by. All you need is blood. And that write-up is on Bloody Disgusting if anybody wants to find it. And that brings us to the end of our news roundup, even though there's a ton out there. So if you're like looking for zombie news, you don't have to go far. Uh, but we're going to get into Zom 100 Bucket List of the Dead, the anime. Uh, these s- launched on Netflix la- this past summer and uh, are based on a manga or a, yeah, a, a book um, that have been, and they've been adapted. Um. So we're talking about the three episodes, uh, Akira of the Dead, Bucket List of the Dead, and Best Friend of the Dead are the three episodes we're talking about. The show is extremely irreverent, uh, but is also dealing with like serious issues. And uh, I think the art style is really fascinating uh, in the animation and the the choices they're making with colors and things like that. Do, yeah. Do you what did you think of like all the 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 bright like blues and colors that don't come out of dead bodies as far as i, I as far as i'm aware there it's it's uh, like kind of abstracting the the theme what do you it think is about a it? little bit it is a little bit but it's also a very like 
it's it's on point given some of the themes that they're talking about in this and you know they're it's a very um it looks beautiful it's fun to watch um i really just like and some of the themes that they're talking about there's definitely commentary going on here um so we're following um akira tendo um who's like the main um character of this that we're we're following at least at this point i you know it's going to probably we've seen a couple points of views of other characters but he's he's like the main person um and you know he's been you know it starts out all very like happy for him he started out at this company he's really excited about but it turns out to be a black corporation which um in japan is basically an exploitative corporation um, where they just really don't, they don't follow labor laws. And in this, he's like working all the time and um, basically is wishing for a zombie apocalypse so that he doesn't have to go to work. And part of how they reflect his misery at work is like everything's monochrome and like gray and black and white, like very, very desaturated. Um, and then the backgrounds are also like, almost like photorealistic too. Like, so there's like this cool look to the whole thing. Um, and it is, I think that what you're talking, like the, the sort of like color palette when, once they get into it, um, that is a very, like, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's like a fantasy, but it's like, just shows the, the contrast between the life before and life now. And it's like this weird thing because it's like, even though, life before had no zombies life now has zombies and this character is sort of like having a new lease on life so to speak um it's very it's like edited very fast moving and like they do like they kind of like like sort of swing between like there's slow motion shots so that you can like it it, they the whole sort of way that the it is edited and put together is so that you're like from the narrative perspective, they really want you to focus on different things or not on different things. And I think it's a pretty amazing little piece of work. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, it is interesting. And for people who maybe aren't familiar with the, this concept of an exploitative, exploitative company, uh, they, they sum this up pretty well in the, in the story by having his first day of work turn into basically a 48 hour shift of, yeah. Maybe more. He does. He, he has. He goes to work on his first day of work, and then basically doesn't leave for two days. Um, and it, you get the impression that that's just happening throughout the first three years that he's there, and he's increasingly unhappy and uh, kind of in a fugue state, and which leads to the, what you were describing, H.A., with the the monochrome palette and. and- well- yeah, it's not just that, but it's also like they're showing that he isn't living like the other parts of his life, like so. Even in his apartment, it's all full of garbage because he hasn't had time to take it out. And like he also doesn't seem to have the power to break free of this cycle. Um, And, you know, so there is they do a really good job, I think, uh, showing the passage of time because it's like you see that first couple of days and then you see it kind of flip forward to year one, year two and year three. Um, And it's pretty I like considering that these episodes are only like 24 minutes, 25 minutes long, they do a really good job at the narrative and moving this narrative in that way and showing that passage of time um, in just a really neat way, I thought. Yeah. Uh, so in, in in the office, we've got a couple of characters that we are introduced to. They're, well, sort of. There's the CEO, 
uh, who I don't think we have a name for. He just calls him CEO. Uh, there's the CEO's side girl, uh, also Akira's crush, uh, who is Otori or Miss Otori, Sayori Otori. And then there is the uh, middle manager whose name I am not remembering at the moment, um, but who is kind of a, I feel like he's going to show up again later in the show, probably. He seems like a bad enough dude. <laughs> and he's 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 like the one who's really laying the uh, putting the hammer down and screaming at everybody and making people cry. Yeah. Um, and, and this honestly, this part of the episode is more than half of it. It takes for a 25 or so minute episode. You don't get to the zombie apocalypse to the last couple minutes because you're <laughs> really just laying the, the groundwork for why he acts the way he does for the next several episodes. I feel like you have to know exactly how despondent he was. Uh, so that when the zombie apocalypse breaks out and he's just elated, you can, you know, you're, you're not confused as to why he was so unhappy. He was basically thinking about killing himself. Um, uh, so when, so yeah, that, so once, when the, the day comes that he's like having to go into work and this could very shot of the dead moment where the, uh, he's basically trundling to work and notices that, uh, zombies have uh, taken over his apartment building or that his landlord is now a zombie and he's running away from zombies. But at the same time, he's cheering and, uh, you know, having a, a new lease on life. It makes sense. Perfect sense. Yeah. And there's this like even before all this happens, he was watching zombie films and basically almost wishing that a zombie apocalypse would happen, that it was better in the zombie thing. So they give you a lot of like, you know. Like they're laying the groundwork already. And so when it happens and he's just like, you know, running for his life and trying, trying to like make sense of all of it, he's really excited and elated and kind of manic. Um, and immediately when all of this happens, suddenly the color totally changes. And he even says it. He was like, I was seeing everything in black and white and now the world is full of color and how beautiful. And they do this as he's like, running from a zombie horde yeah. and have to jump off a building to get like he jumps into a tree or something like that. And it's like this really interesting juxtaposition of the him fighting for survival, but also being incredibly joyful that he doesn't have to go to work anymore, which shows you how, how miserable he was. Um, the perspective doesn't even really feel like he is fighting for his life. Like that. Oh, stakes, it's, it's joyful. Stakes, it's like, the stakes don't feel at all grim. He's just excited. Like, he, like, cause clearly he has no like personal connection with any of these people uh, until later he sees one zombie who he knows or two. Uh, so it's kind of a weird, yeah, it's like a, it's like a, a strange perspective. And up in the second episode, he, he is introduced to two people. And then when he comes back to see them again later, they've been killed presumably. And that then that is like the only somber moment of this, of these three episodes that we've seen. I feel like, well, I don't think only because when he goes, you know, he's now like, okay, I, I can't, I've got to take chances. And the big thing was, is that uh, Miss Otori is the, the thing that was probably keeping him at the job is because he had a huge crush on her. And um, so he goes to, to basically confess his feelings to her and, it runs into the crazy CEO and like throws his zombified self off the, off the uh, balcony. And there's a whole, like almost, I don't want to say like slapstick way of how they manage the scene. Cause uh, they, they like make the zombie really huge. And he's like slipping in his own, like 
bodily fluids and stuff. And then, and he's pretty massive. And then um, Akira um, basically throws him off the balcony and gets all ready to sort of like share all of his feelings and then realizes that um, Misotori is, is also a zombie. And there's a heartbreaking little moment here because he missed his chance and this is not going to end the way that he thought it would. And there, like it ends and it, even though it's very sad, it's also kind of, I don't want to say comical, but there is a little bit of black humor here where he's like, goodbye, my first love. And she's like running after him in like a weird zombie way. Yeah. Um, and so I, I just didn't I just I didn't read that as being really sad because it was also the element where she was the mistress of the CEO. And I feel like there's a there's a bit of judgment there from the show and from oh, even so you know it was like, yeah, it's a bummer, but also he bounces back pretty quickly. I guess that's well, true of all the all the ups and downs that he has so far. Like with anime, like there's moments and so you have to kind of like there's the moment when he realizes that she's a zombie and he like kind of freezes up and it's kind of quick, but it is sad. And, but then it's moving on cause they're going to move along the narrative. Um, so, and you're right. There's probably a bit of moral judgment there for her. Um, but, but that's how he, that's what kind of inspires him to do his Zom 100 list. Bucket yeah. List. Cause he makes this, uh, I don't know if this is a quote or something, but he says this thing, there's nothing guaranteeing tomorrow we could die today or 60 years from now. Either way, we need to. And then I lost track of what I was writing down. I just right. wrote down, make it he happen. Says but it a few times. Like he this says, is yeah, he says that in, again in episode two. But he he's like, I need to, you know, start making a list uh, and taking care of business. I need to I need to do things. Uh, and that's kind of the end of the episode. Yep. Um, that's a cure of the dead. They go by pretty fast. These episodes. Uh, episode two is bucket list of the dead. And here he really writes down his list, but first the episode begins with, wait, it, yeah, it is here where he writes down his list, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, first the episode begins with him cleaning his apartment and uh, he's <laughs> like, that's the first, but I mean, that makes sense. His apartment was disgusting. There was no floor space available. It was just garbage bags and empty food containers everywhere. Um, and, uh, and then he realizes that he's out of beer. His only plan for the day was to uh, drink beer. And maybe that was like the first three things on his list. Cause I, here's, here's my beef with this uh, on Netflix, AJ. I don't know if you're having this problem, but they're not translating any of the writing. Oh, they are not. And I actually looked it up to see if you could find it. I haven't successfully found something yet, but uh, agree. It's gotta be somewhere, man. Like, cause it's, they, they they slowly linger on this page of a written list and you can't I can't see what any of it is. And he's crossed off the, the first three things by the end of this episode. So I'm assuming it was like clean your house, drink some beer, uh, go see a, a Tory. I don't know. Something along those lines. Uh, and yeah, I want to find that, too, because it's there's a whole list of 33 things uh, on this first page that we don't we don't get to see. Um, but as he's like, oh, I'm out of beer, I got to go get more beer. Uh, he, and he goes down the drain pipe. That's where he meets his neighbors on the building across, like uh, the building next door, who are the Kosakas and Kos Kosaka. Uh, yeah, a Japanese pronunciation. I'm not good at it, but uh, something along those lines. Uh, and they are having like a very serious zombie apocalypse. They're like, "Oh, we're gonna die. We have to hold out for one more day." And then they go out to the balcony, and there's there's Akira coming down the drain pipe, and they have like a 
a lighthearted interaction. And then he's like, Hey, I'm going to the store for beer. Do you guys need batteries or toilet paper? Uh, yep. And he's like, sure. Okay. And then he, then he goes off on his bike and leaves them back there. Well, uh, and they're like, they're in a point where they're at their wits end and they're like, Oh my gosh, we're going to die like this, whatever. And then suddenly he's like hanging out on the drain pipe and they're like, Oh, and so it's like this weird moment. And, you know, his sort of mania, his, his, he keeps saying, Oh, I'm going to take this vacation. I'm going to do all the things that, I want to do, and I think, you know, appreciating the smaller things, which I think is what the beer is about and getting to do whatever he wants to do is a piece of this. But there is definitely, he's being very flip about the fact that, you know, he's like not totally discounting the fact that the zombies are down there and he's going to go get beer, but he's like, it's so important that I do this and I'm going to do it anyway. Um, and, you know, he's being very like, oh, can I get you anything at the store kind of a thing? And it's kind of this absurd interaction between him and his neighbors who have not seen anybody and he hasn't really seen any survivors either at this point so so that's kind of like a funny weird thing um and then he yet he meets yet another survivor very shortly after this um who kind of calls him out on how sort of ridiculous he's being or how how he is not taking some of this totally seriously um so and we see his side of it in this episode and we see her side of it in the next episode, I think. Um, I think it's even in this one. So these two characters are so much of hashtag alive, which we watched a couple years yeah, ago. Yeah, I was going to say it feels very much like that, doesn't it? Yeah, mm. because the, the main you know male character in that is just like a you know a shut in gamer who is also you know, kind of surviving by accident um, because and, and then his the woman that he interacts with is like a, a real died in the wool sur survivalist. And here we have another situation like that where this woman, well, when we see it from her perspective, she's always just thinking about like everything pragmatically uh, while he's prancing into the store singing a dumb song about beer. But she's also kind of there's also kind of a, a self-awareness with him, even in the midst of his mania. Uh, where he's like, oh, yeah, I was just singing a really dumb song about beer. Uh, and then he kind of prattles on to her. Um, and it's very interesting to see the same scene played out from her perspective because she's clearly not listening to a word he's saying. But nope. uh, I don't know. I've kind of I enjoyed this a lot. Uh, I'm not sure how she could tell where that truck was going to come through the wall. Uh, well, she had her, her little camera, remember? Yeah, but it's I mean, I'll put it down to anime. Uh, she yeah. knew like down to the inch where thing, where everything was about to happen. Right. Uh, so he does only get beer. He doesn't actually get batteries or toilet paper for the Kosakas. Um, and on his way home, he switches. Well, his bike has been destroyed by a truck coming through the convenience store wall and goes to a scooter and then yep. upgrades from the scooter to like a chopper. And uh, that's now his. Those are his wheels because apparently the zombie apocalypse happened during rush hour. So he's like, all these cars and things have their keys in them. And this is great. I can just get around everywhere. I want to go. So yep. it's kind of fun. He's having a, he's just continuing to have a great time. Yep. And then we do, you're right. Is in this episode, but he, they, we do a flip and we get to see a little bit more about his mysterious, uh, woman survivor. Um, and she is basically, very disciplined. She's taking it seriously. She's got like a whole list of things that she's doing, like working out, cutting sugar, all this other stuff. Cutting sugar. Yeah. Cause yeah. then she doesn't get the mochi at the store. Yeah. Yeah. And she's regretful of it. And 
you know, she, she's, she's got everything kind of planned. And so you see a little bit from her perspective that like Akira is being very, um, uh, like, I don't want to say unprofessional, but not taking things seriously. And she's like, I can't really ban myself with you because you're taking too many risks. She and, also has that giant stack of zombie movies and she's watching yeah. them too to like take notes, yeah. uh, which I thought is like, okay, sure. It's, I mean, it's probably scientific, but it's also just zombie movies are just speculation. So, but maybe she'd find something interesting in there. But then after she watches it, she goes to her window and looks out with her binoculars and starts to categorize the kinds of zombies she's seeing, which is smart slow, fast, and quote-unquote dangerous, which I'm not sure what that's supposed to mean. Uh, but those three three categories, according to her. Uh, <laughs> and actually, this turns out to... I did not realize that we were looking at seeing what she was doing before she went to the store and met with Akira. So yep. it's after this that she goes to the store, we get that whole playback through her perspective. And, yep. uh, and, and yeah, and then that night she's thinking, like, I wish I'd gotten that mochi because dropping sugar apparently is not one of the things she's happy about having done yeah and she has a little akira flip back where she's thinking about him so she hasn't totally ruled him out so even though she says she has but um yeah she's interested in how happy he is yep because <laughs> just beer or something like that she's like oh what a ridiculous thing but maybe he's got a point and so she's thinking about her little mochi and, and maybe maybe uh maybe she should loosen up a little bit in the zombie apocalypse i suppose um that, and that's we, kind of the whole episode is it's, a, it's a, it goes by quickly uh a lot you know yeah it's only 24 or 5 minutes best friend of the dead comes to us next and um this one she's not in this one at all it's a, a bunch of new characters uh, oh, yeah, and and Akira this is uh Shu and or show and it's uh Kencho yeah, but uh, they have a club, uh, Showtime, which I assume is his club since his face is all over everything. Um, he's trying to reassure this little survivor and says he'll be back. And basically, um, they've been kind of trapped in the in the club and um, want to uh, um, like him and a group of people go out to defend the club. And so they are doing their fighting. And then there's another like it flips to Akira again. Um, where suddenly he's uh, he's getting like text messages all of a sudden, and it's this thing like, oh, I was out of touch with everybody for three years, and now I'm gonna be in touch with them. And then it dawns on him that everybody's probably dead, except for some reason he thinks that his friend um, Kencho is um, still somehow alive because he's too cool for school and was part of his rugby team. Um, so, and that is actually. This is like interesting. Um, again, there's a little bit of like moral judgment here, but uh, he is trapped in this this club, and it's like he's in like a, an, a different uh, club, right? This is a sex club, not Showtime. Yeah, this isn't um, this isn't Showtime. This is something else. Um, I forget what it was called. Um, but he's in a room, and this woman has been like, you know, she's she's strapped to the wall, so she can't hurt him, but she's zombified. Um, and he's pretty, he's pretty like in a bad way and has only had water and then, you know, out of the blue hears from Akira. But before that, he started thinking about Akira, um, just about how he always laughed at everything he said. And so this is like a lot, the sort of like a flashback to their friendship, which is basically involves Akira laughing at him his jokes um and then his, and his jokes apparently only involved him being naked 
Kencho, Kencho yeah. likes to get naked. He does. And this is an odd thing. This, this theme, um, this might be some context that we're not, that we're not picking yes, up on. Maybe getting nude is really funny in Japan. Maybe, uh, this was like a kind of a funny thing. And, um, Akira basically calls him in the nick of time and says he's going to come and get him and comes up with a, a pretty, uh, he's going to go to Shinjuku, Shinjuku, which um, if you aren't familiar is a very like packed um, like district and has like, uh, as, as one of my friends used to say, like they dye their eyeballs there and it's like, you know, pretty much anything goes. Um, so it's, it's just like people are like, kind of there's these kinds of like themed clubs and things like that but also like just people go to hang out and like people watch there and it's just kind of like a wild area of town in tokyo and um a lot of people which is the point um so it's it's gonna take a bit to clear them i think based on what they did here i think there'll probably be even more people than this but you know akira basically attracts all the zombies away from his friend and also inadvertently change uh, saves uh show who's the only one I think that's alive out of his little merry band of defenders. Yep. Um, and, and then hilarity ensues. And this is the context that I don't fully understand, but there's like a lot of confessing going on, confessing from Akira who says, you know, you told me to quit my job and I didn't, and I was jealous of you. And then show is like, no, my, my no, job Kensho, was, Kensho, sorry, Kensho was always, it was like, my job was garbage too. And I made it up and I was like a jerk. And like, there's like a lot of like friendship bonding or rebonding and apologizing. And I don't know. It's more of this like mania that you were the, ascribing to, to, to Akira where mm -hmm. they both are just so emotional. But I, I think this is also an anime thing. Yeah. You, you can't have like small emotions you only have the biggest emotions possible, right? Uh, so they're both freaking out and crying and yelling at each other in the hallway when all the zombies come back. And so they run up to the roof, block it with air conditioners. And then, uh, you know, Akira is never really uh, worried about what's going to happen next. Um, and so he just kind of is like, don't worry about it. We're going to jump to the next roof. It's across the street, uh, but it is lower. So, you know, maybe that makes it possible maybe the street's super narrow but it's kind of hard to tell he does it he 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 rolls and ends up really bloody but makes it across yeah. and then kensho that's when kensho is that when kensho makes his uh, admission yeah, yeah he's like waiting to he's like gathering his strength or what saying i can't even do it and he's and, like and akira is like you know this is like what you do this is zombie apocalypse there's nothing holding you back now man and and then you, he, you like, want to be a stand-up comedian? Do, then jump across and do something really funny or s tell a funny joke while you do it, I think is his advice. And Kensho jumps across and somehow divests himself of all his clothes <laughs> mid-jump and <laughs> lands on the, the side of the building. Um, and it uh, like then weirdly, like Akira saves him and then they're like sitting by a fire, both of them naked. Um, yeah, but I mean, also Kensho does scrape his balls. Which, oh, there. Which there is worse than getting bitten by a zombie, according to him. Uh, so the, the humor here is is a you know more than a little bit uh, childish, but yeah, like maybe that's just the relationship that these two guys have, and they're three years out of college, so they're fairly young. At least that's the impression. Um, 
yeah but yeah they do end up on a roof uh eating and drinking beer i'm assuming that means they've made it back to akira's home because that's the same beer that he had at his place but maybe not maybe and they're just uh they're just talking about the good old times and uh and then Kensho has this theory that dropouts are geniuses and maybe you're going to save us all. And I feel like that's kind of the thesis on yeah, some like, level. Like, like Akira is definitely like the Shaun of the dead in this whole scenario. Right. Like that yeah. guy totally frustrated and impending in his job and his life. And this is his moment to shine. Um, so, um, yeah, so we will uh, we'll we'll have to see what else happens because I guess we're going to see a little bit more of our other characters in the next few episodes. But um, yeah, because we'll shows shows and- story we don't even see the end of. All we see is that he is about to get eaten, and then they leave uh, because Akira has drawn the zombies away. Maybe we'll get to see more of that story. Maybe not. Show feels like one of those anime characters who's like too cool for school, kind of a big deal. Uh, so I'm sure he'll come back and there's seven more episodes, which is a great number. Um, don't know why I thought it was like nine. Anyway, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Zom 100 bucket list, the dead. We will try to find out what that list says later, I, or we can just wait for it to narratively like happen and not worry about it. But I have, I have like looked in a bunch of places and I cannot find it, but I will, I will try to do more digging. It's also frustrating when he's looking at his phone and they're not translating any of the messages he's looking at. I feel like this is kind of standard. Yep. But it's a little frustrating. Anyway, this is a uh, Zom 100 bucket list of the dead. If you're enjoying the show, let us know. Give us a holler. You can email us at reanimatedpodcast at g- gmail.com. And uh, you can find our episodes on Podbean at reanimated.podbean.com. Um, I hope that everybody has an amazing Halloween. Uh, get out there and trick or treat or dress up. Are you dressing up this year, H.A.? I am under the weather, so probably not. Are you uh, going to dress up as a person lying down in bed, having taking it easy? Yes, that is what I'm going to dress up as. Um, Halloween is pretty serious in our neighborhood, so we uh, we have the candy ready to go. There was some trick or treat, a lot of trick or treat stuff like yesterday, but there's usually like that in the day of. So. We'll see what happens. Um, but everybody was out in full regalia last night um, in costume on the subways and things like that. So some pretty some pretty good things. Um, I saw we saw a guy that was dressed like uh, the dodgeball, like one of the dodgeball teams. He had like the dodgeball uniform and nice. thought that was pretty good. Um, lots of uh, beetle juices out there. Beetlejuice eye. Um, Definite and- resurgence for the beetle juice. I actually interestingly saw like uh, quite a few uh like Pokemon and Pokemon like handlers. Oh. Pretty good. Um yeah, I'm going to be a Pikachu. Oh, who's going to be your handler? I, nobody. Nobody. <laughs> I, I will not have I will be a free and a wild Pikachu. You will be a one out in the out in the wild, val- more valuable. Speaking of, did you hear that they had to shut down the Van Gogh sort of uh promotion at the Van Gogh Museum? Right, they had the Vincent Van Gogh Pokemon card. No, and well, they have po- they had Pokemon basically doing like a portrait. Like that's what the card looks like, and it's in the style of Van Gogh. And I guess it was so wild there that they had to like stop it because people were like immediately going and like selling the cards on the on the interwebs. Oh boy! And, like it would just caused mayhem at the Van Gogh Museum. So anyway, all all good. Um, but uh. 
any other cool things going on out in the West Coast for Halloween that you know of, like oh, celebratory things? I don't know, AJ. I'm I'm just trick or treating with children. That's that's about as cool as I get. Do you do um, like just the neighborhood, or is there like yeah. party stuff? Yeah, we just do the neighborhood. Well, well, uh, we'll do a, a an adjacent neighborhood. My neighborhood doesn't have a lot of houses that are trick or treat happy. Instead, we there's like this one street. I swear to God, everybody who lives on that street has to spend a thousand dollars on candy every year kind of unfair mm-hmm. but uh it's the you know it's it's the it's the best street to, to, to trick or treat on so i'll wow. be out there with a little stormtrooper and mal from descendants nice um, and uh then i will be in a giant inflatable pikachu so i'm still saying i think you could find somebody to be your ash to be your like like and make them like capture you this would just cause all sorts of hilarity hilarity for sure um all right. Well, enjoy all of that, and uh, I look forward to talking with you about the next next three episodes. Totally. Okay. Well, uh, thank you for listening, and toodaloo. Ciao.